Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. All right, and welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona and the monsoon season is magical. Oh my gosh, everything looks better. Uh, you poor folks got hit. Some of you got hit by hail. There was a there was a, like a funnel cloud out by the airport. The rest of us just got rain, and so it just that's one thing we live in fear in here at the garden center. We'll we'll hail hit hit the plants at the garden center. So we've we've got these glass structures, and you think that's to help with the, the winter temperature, but but no, it's here to keep the hail uh, off of. The plants. Oh, well, it's got some shade structures that are up there that that keeps the plants cool. But really, it's the shade is there for the people. The glass is there for the plant, the plants to keep the hail off the plants. And so, it's it's a wild one. Lots of moisture this this monsoon season. So last year we had virtually none, and this year there's over three inches, four inches here at the garden center already. I didn't measure that last one early mid midweek, but uh, it's been a good wet monsoons, and we're just getting started. So this rain pattern stays with us in the mountains of Arizona, usually uh, the end of September or so, first part of October. Then it subsides. We just get this beautiful kind of bright days, cool nights. It's just this beautiful fall. Where the fall is the best time of year, but in, in between that. We hydrate everything. Take advantage of the rain. This is a, a kind of our second planting season. We've had spring. That's the most popular. But now we've got this. The, the rains have come. The soil is warm. And now it's moist. It's humid. There's cloud cover. It's like you can't go wrong. It's so easy to garden during the monsoons here in the mountains of Arizona. Uh, you'll, you'll have great selection. The plants coming in during the summer. They're upsized. And so in the spring, yes, they're fully rooted. They're just starting to come out. So forsythias are, are pretty, they're in bloom, but they're shorter. They're full, they're just shorter. Now they're fully, they've tripled in size, same container size. Yeah, they're not in bloom, but, but they're just so, they're on steroids. And so you get more plant for the money with, with summer, your summer selection at your garden centers. That goes for perennials, perennial flowers. They come back every year, whether they're shade-loving shade perennials like hookeras and hostas or sun-loving perennials like echinaceas, gallardias, agaras, uh, there's the salvias. There's so many. They're just bigger in the spring. Many of them are just barely, yeah, they've come up out of the ground. You know, perennials, they rest underground and they come back fresh every spring. So they've come back, but they aren't quite in bloom. They might show a little bit of color, but this time of year, uh, they, they show they're full of color. They're just covered in color. Uh, so And a lot more choices available because they're all in bloom. And so you, it's just a good time. If you think if you're new, you just moved into that house, you can plant. Now, you poor folks get hit by hail. Oh, it stripped like a, a the pea vine, some of the Constellation Trails, that airport area, just it stripped 
the trees. I mean, pine trees, manzanitas. They're just, they're just, they were devastated. Just nothing but foliage on the ground, all the way up towards, you know, going up um, Willow Creek Road. It just got, just stripped the trees. Fertilize, fertilize your plants, clean things up, fertilize them, take the 744 all-purpose food, spread it out underneath that, that structure, underneath the plants, and pick that up. And they were starting to form new leaf buds. The foliage was stripped off. And so it's going to have to reform. It, those, those buds that were there already will, will emerge right away. They'll start, I mean, within two weeks, it'll look like a brand new plant. You'll see new foliage emerging. Things will happen. Um, I'm not so sure about the pine trees. That one's harder. Pines, your conifers, those things that, that have a needle to them, they typically just flush growth in the spring, and that's it. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. It'll be interesting to watch. But all your leafy things, they'll come back. For the vegetable gardens, oh, oh boy, they really got hurt. Oh, they just really took it in the chin. A lot of the herb gardens, the basils, tomatoes, squash, pumpkins, oh, they just got beat up. Eggplants got bruised. Uh, you've still got plenty of time to plant. If We've still got some vegetable starts. I don't know if, if you can, don't start by seed because it just takes an extra month. We've got three strong growing months left in this, this season. More than enough time uh, to start those annual type of flowers. If your geraniums just got stripped and, and just wiped out, you can put in another, just put, go with a gallon-sized geranium. It will double in size by the end of the month. They're just actively growing right now. So you've still got time. You could replace those and still have tomatoes. You still get eggplants. Still get uh, uh, peppers off those plants. You've still got time. Don't get discouraged. This is a freak thing. You didn't see that kind of I mean, funnel clouds with hailstorms kind of go together. And you nip, that's like Oklahoma stuff. You don't see that. It's so rare. And so you're more than likely, knock on wood, where's wood? Here's the desk. You're not going to see that again, hopefully, here in the mountains. So you might get a thunder cell that throws in a lot of, of rain at you. You could see some more hail, but it's not going to be that golf ball-sized stuff. That's just so freaky. I mean, it looked like the ground was, had been snowed on for a while. And so that's the monsoons for us. You're, it's a good time to plant. For me, my wildflower patch is over the top. I've got maybe 2,000, 2,500 square feet of just wildflowers. And they are magical. And so there were a couple bare spots. And so I went and got a few more seed. I actually wanted some more grassy looking areas. Those bare patches, I wanted to have more of a grass. We've got what's called a meadow mix. Real short grasses like buffalo grass, blue grama, Indian rice grass. And then we put wildflower seeds in with the grass. I was spreading some of that out, taking advantage of the rain. It's such a good time. I would think lawns. If you wanted to try to overseed a lawn or extend a lawn, uh, you could do that now because it's so humid, it's shaded, it's cloudy, and so it's a very kind type of, of, of growing season for your plants. And the soil is warm, so they root, they germinate right away, and they send the roots down right away. So take advantage of the rain. The best things you can do now, I fertilize, I fertilize absolutely everything. 
and then I'm, I'm adding to certain parts of the gardens. So I've added a few herbs. I added uh, uh, three new cat mints. I love cat mint. It's a perennial herb. Uh, animals, you know, uh, javelina don't eat them. Uh, the hummingbirds and butterflies love them. Uh, they bloom a long time and they come back every year. I love cat mint. So I put a few more in and this is a great time to be doing that. So put them on the drip system. Water your perennials. I don't know, in this kind of weather, a couple times a week, maybe no more than three times a week, especially if it's a, if it's a drought hardy, a kind of native-y kind of, of plant like echinaceas or coneflower. That's another name. You, you see those show up right now. There's four or five colors, some of them very exotic, like mangoes and pinks, bright pinks, like glow-in-the-dark pinks. And, and, of course, you've got the Arizona sunset yellow orange stuff. Those are boring. They've been around forever, but there's these new colors coming out that are very exciting. You see them showing up at garden centers now through fall. We're not quite seeing the fall mums, asters. It's a bit early for those. Those will show up usually in August sometime, maybe three weeks, four weeks, something like that. You'll start to see the the, the autumn mix starting to show up. Uh, some, some of our, we did get hit with a little bit of hail here at the garden center. It ripped some leaves. We, we stripped those leaves off, like, let's say, maples, sycamores, uh, um, red buds, crab apples. Uh, so we just, we picked those off because we want the trees to be perfect. We fertilized them and literally by the end of this month, they'll look like brand new trees. So customers will come in going, whoa, I can't believe how nice your trees look. Well, it's because we're really caring. We touch them and care for them and your landscape will do the same thing for you. So don't get discouraged. Got a lot of good tips, tricks, and garden hacks in this show for you. A lot of detail, but we got to take a break. Be right back after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Some things are just better together. July is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Aw, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together and only at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, crepe myrtle, and purple verbena. Purple verbena is mountain famous for gorgeous summer-long flowers held over compact green foliage. This purple bloomer loves bright gardens, summer heat, and grows best in poor soils with less water. Go ahead and abuse this bloomer. You can't kill it. The perfect native perennial for easy summer long flowers. You'll only find the toughest verbena here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the mountain gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the family garden center. Now welcome back to the mountain gardener. All right, so we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? And I would imagine they're talking about a lot because everything's active. Everything's growing out mm-hmm. in the yard right now. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. Good to be here. How are your gardens looking? Um, our gardens look okay. We were not 
we did not get the hail that a lot of people did. I've seen some very devastating pictures yeah. of people's yards. So sad, but you know, I tell them, go talk nicely to them. There's more season left. They'll grow, fertilize them, take care of them. Did you see that uh, video of, of Flagstaff? No. There's water flowing through the streets through some neighborhood this week with cars being picked up and they're oh, floating. I swear it was like Asia or something. No, it's just Flagstaff. <laughs> it's like uh, running down the middle of the street, oh. picking up Priuses and bumping into trucks. It's like, it was... Uh, Fun to watch as long as you weren't there with your yeah. watching your car float down. <laughs> float down. A lot of rain hitting. Yeah. It's amazing. A lot of rains. Um, as a kid, we had a wash. We lived up in Wildwood Estates um, out, out Iron Springs Road. That's where I grew up. And uh, there was a wash down at the bottom of the house. Mm -hmm. And when it flooded like that, you couldn't cross the creek. You just were stuck until, until that right. flash flood was gone. We used to pick up, and I was a big, strong football player, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds. We'd pick up uh, like uh, like boulders, and throw, throw them in to see if it would uh, wash those boulders away. We're talking 100, 200 pound boulders like it was nothing. Just like hmm. nothing, nothing. It's, yeah, you have to be careful with those flash flood that's why they Dude, give you warnings. <laughs> you know, folks that are new to the area, mm -hmm. if you're if you're a hiker, which is this is hiking country, mm -hmm. if you hear you're down a dry wash, you hear this clicking, click, 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 mm, click, click. Get out of the way. Get out of the wash, because that's usually what that is. A flash flood is coming, and those are the boulders being pushed in front of the water as it comes down, and people are killed by mm -hmm. flash floods. So you need mm -hmm. to be highly aware. Yeah. You know, we don't have tornadoes or hurricanes or Oh, we did have a funnel cloud, though. Did yes. you see the picture of that yeah. over by the airport? But only goats were carried away, not, <laughs> not barns and people. Well, true. I don't know. I don't know. That is not real news. <laughs> that's total just fun. And that's that's visions in my head coming out over the airwaves. <laughs> no. Maybe we should move on to questions at okay, this yeah. point. Good idea. I'm thinking it's time. <laughs> So we do have questions. So Jill was out in her yard and yep. noticed these great big beetles walking around, big, big claws. Yeah. Wants to know, are those bad for the yard? Should she get rid of them? Or what do you do? They're not causing any trouble? What's this, the deal? This is the benefit for the folks tuned in watching this on the uh, um video stream Ooh. so we can we we, rec we record it we put it together a podcast and we have segments we do like like video kind of stuff but for you folks in the video that's called you see that that's a palo verde this is in our backyard i was picking it up playing with it i posted this to facebook but it's like a five inch beetle that uh it has huge claws in the front of it high ginormous like three inch antennae and it's Antenna. called a palo verde beetle uh, no, they're not dangerous. But I we don't worry. have Palo Verdes up here. Well, they go after mesquites. They go after uh, desert willows. They go after, well, I don't know where. I don't know what. That's what they're called. <laughs> that's how gardeners know what they are. But it's Palo Verde beetle. Guy. Huge, like three, four inch beetle. Black, typically. Uh, and, and I was picking up with my hand. They, they don't they don't really bite. I didn't test it. I didn't actually put my finger in his big old claws. They're like half inch uh, proboscis, whatever, whatever that mouthpiece is. Am I doing, am I doing botanical names? No, <laughs> all my entomologist <laughs> friends, just ignore everything you're yeah. hearing on They're the airwaves. Like, oh, I can't believe you're <laughs> saying that. I've got my doctorate in this. He's totally wrong. 
it's just a big beetle and they don't eat your gardens. It's not a big deal. There's so few of them. It's kind of an honor to see them. They show up every summer. They lay their eggs. They get really tired and they land like in your iced tea or your patio furniture or your back patio, your gardens, and they kind of croak and die. So you'll see them just laying out there around. Hmm. Uh, They basically live their entire life cycle underground at the base of Palo Verde trees or other things in a grub form. They come up and they do, they come up just to live for a few days as Palo Verde beetles to find a mate and hopefully more Palo Verde trees to lay eggs at. And that's it. That's their cycle. All right. Don't worry. Okay. We'll take your word for it on that. (laughs) So Connie has a retaining wall, retaining wall. She wants to soften the edge uh, by growing something over it, but she doesn't want uh, a vine per se. Okay. She wants something sturdier than that. Okay, easy. So looking for recommendations. How about a vine? (laughs) Maybe not. I mean, vines can can work that way, but uh, probably number one perennial, kind of a weed, but... uh, Vinca or periwinkle. I, I don't like introducing that one into my gardens because they're so aggressive. Mm-hmm. I prefer using things like rosemary. There's a mm-hmm. creeping rosemary. It lasts aggressive, very pretty, evergreen. It's got blue flowers, very fragrant. Animals don't eat it. That's a great one. Cotoneaster, mm-hmm. creeping junipers. There's a lot of shrubs. In fact, we've got an entire section here at the garden center. We curate all the shrubs. There's one section that's knee high and below. Look at that entire section. They're all good for this kind of, of, yeah. of stuff. Then you've got hip high and below. So that, that kind of medium size and it's head high and above the screening kind of stuff. So we kind of curate. We, we put all the evergreens and bloomers, all of them together. They're all companion plants and they'll just grow this high because we find that people buy them for their size, not so much their, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Another one you might look at are roses like carpet roses. Oh, the carpet roses. Very pretty going over mm-hmm. the edge. There's a lot of choices. Um, yeah. If it's more shaded area, hookahs are very pretty mm-hmm. or coral bells is another name. So there's a lot of choice. That's one. Come in, bring a picture of the, of the wall. Take a quick measurement because we can't tell how, many how long it is. <clears throat> but if you took a quick measurement, took a picture, we'd go help you design that and soften that wall up. I totally get it. It looks kind of sterile or mm-hmm. too dry it needs needs some living breathing plants to soften up that wall's edge so it looks more natural yep agree good okay so our next question is from terry she's gonna be putting in a small lawn okay. wants to know should she till gypsum into the soil to help with compaction yeah so gypsum this is a let's explain what gypsum is mm-hmm. this is kind of a myth that goes out there you hear it all the time if, if you read the bag so gypsum is calcium sulfate if you read the bag it says liquefies rock <laughs> it doesn't do that what happens is our water is so hard as you're watering it fills up the the, the pockets inside the soil with with basically hard water mm-hmm. minerals uh, calcium and so what calcium what what uh, gypsum does it helps to flush the soil out so as it clogs up it helps flush all the minerals out so it helps the plants to breathe to root out better that's truly how you use it uh, it cannot it cannot hurt to add gypsum to a lawn area, mm-hmm. especially if it's draining. Uh, seedlings, they, they like to breathe. They, they, they're looking to die. So if they get too dry, they die. If they get too wet, they die. 
And so if you, the calcium can, calcium sulfate or gypsum can help mm -hmm. with that. More importantly, add organic matter, add compost, mulch. That's much more valuable than gypsum. So I would say add a two to three inch layer of compost and then till that to one shovel's depth or one rototiller depth. Add some gypsum in there if you want, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly do that and then add, here's the real secret for lawns, add humic, H-U-M-I-C, humic. Humic is a, it's humic acid. It helps seedlings to get more established roots. Mm -hmm. That is the best thing you can do. More, more compost and more humic. And then I would, at the same time, while you're doing this, while you're prepping, while you're, while you're making this uh, soil bed, like like over the top, ready to go, mm -hmm. uh, if you could add some fertilizer on top of it. So and I, I would add 744 all-purpose food. Mm -hmm. It's real nice, organic. The cottonseed meal in that will make it just root deep, root strong. A weed will never, not even be think about wanting to grow in there because the grass will be so thick. So all-purpose food, humic and, and mulch till to one shovel's depth, then put that seed bed on there. You will have a lush and the seed will germinate within, oh, mm -hmm. we're talking days. I mean, right. by this time next week, you'll be going, I think I see green and you will because there'll be grass coming up. Would you, oh, I don't have enough time. I can't ask. They'll have to wait. Until oh, next week, <laughs> more. Sit, tune in for more right here on the Mountain Gardener with Kim Lisa Lane. Thanks, Lise. Be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Water's weed and grass stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and grass stopper. It's just $24 and only found at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. One of my favorite plants, kind of late summer to early fall, that just outshines the others. I guess there's several. Crepe myrtles are in full bloom. They're pretty sexy. Those are those are pretty glorious. Glow in the dark pinks and reds and watermelons and brightest whites ever. But one of my favorites, just because it draws in kind of butterflies, hummingbirds, it makes it brings the the landscape alive with not just flowers, but also with wildlife. And I'm not talking mammals, I'm talking like insects, like like butterflies. I love butterflies. So butterfly bush is over the top right now. This is the best time 
to select and plant a butterfly bush because you've got so many choices. You can see the colors. And there's a lot of choices. I mean, dark night purple butterfly bush. That's the one your grandparents grew. Yeah, it's a big boy. It gets up easily 10 feet, maybe taller. It's a, it's a big one. It needs to be aggressively cut back every year. Huge purple, like royal purple flowers all over them. And if you put one of those in the ground, let it let just let it grow up. Uh, you'll literally have dozens of butterflies at any given time on this butterfly bush. It's great screen, fast growing, can't hardly kill it. You can use it as a, as a screen or, or windbreak. It's a very good, hardy type of shrub for the mountains of Arizona, and it comes back year after year. It's too large for my landscape. I, I, I go with the medium to, to short sizes. So we're introducing new varieties all the time that, that are half that size. So I, I just planted some, some pink butterfly bush or ruby red. It's really a really rich, deep pink. I guess it could trend red, but ruby red butterfly bush, it only gets head high. Now that's much easier to maintain in my, and yet it still has this great big flower that butterflies love. We've got them all the way down to a pugster. That's a new variety of butterfly bush. It only gets knee high, but that same big flower to it. There's new introductions of more ball shaped with smaller flowers, but more of them that are being introduced. Brighter colors. You've got whites and yellows and reds and purples and pinks. Lots of colors of butterfly bush, but we're on the migratory path for a lot of these butterflies. And so why not attract them into your gardens and have them just be there? It's kind of like garden fairies floating around your flowers. Zinnias, they love zinnias. Uh, they do actually like Rosa Sharon's and crepe myrtles. And there's a lot of summer blooming plants you can put in the ground. And this is the best time to plant them. Your summer plants prefer being planted while the soil is warm. They don't like spring planting. In fact, you can't find a crepe myrtle here at the here at Waters Garden Center, at least. Maybe at the lower elevation places, they might have them. But up here in God's country, up where it's still chilly, still kind of frosting at night, but bright days, typical spring, um, here we, we like to, we'll carry the, the lilacs. They like spring. Forsythia. Flowering quince, they like spring planting. Even roses, they like spring planting. But your crepe myrtles, your, your chaste trees, your uh, desert willows, a lot of your evergreens, they much prefer being planted when the soil is very warm. And so you'll see more choices of those plants. Also, those plants wake up later. So they're kind of twiggy in the spring. They wait to leaf out and to bloom until summer. They'd like everything about the heat. And so let them have the heat. This is the time when you want to introduce those into your landscape. I would say the same thing about many of the, we call them high desert or mountain desert kind of plants, yuccas, gaves, cacti, choyas, desert willows, uh, Apache plumes, ceanothus, ketonias. There's all these native plants that grow wild out in the, on the hillside. Uh, you'll find better selection, better specimens, fuller specimens at your garden centers this time of year. And they prefer being planted this time of year. They'll root out deeper, stronger, faster. And so that's, you, you got you plenty of time, which is kind of different. A lot of places, like in the South, spring is your time to plant. 
it's too humid and hot in the summer, and then it's just then then, then it's just over. Uh, in, in in Phoenix, Palm Springs, Tucson, you plant in the spring, almost late winter, and then you plant again in the fall. You have these two planting cycles. Uh, that, that's okay. In the Midwest, you plant in the spring and fall is for planting. Your big trees like maples and spruce and pine get planted in the fall. Here, up in God's in Arizona, up in this because of elevation and the monsoon patterns and how we operate, and because it's cool. I mean, even what is it? Right, this week it was 80s, 90, and then it cools down to in the 60s. It's nice. It's just comfortable. For you in the evening, it's just as comfortable for your plants. And they like that. And so you can easily introduce new plants. If you're new to the area and going, oh, I might be running out of time. Not even. Don't even think that way. You have plenty of time. First frost isn't until November. You know, into usually Halloween, plus or minus a week or so. Plenty of time. In fact, that's when you put things in and have the fall color. That's when you put maples and your sycamores and your aspens in. It just looks so good and so bright, and they, they root out then th through the end of the year. So plenty of time left. All right, that's it for this segment. Got more for you. Lisa Waters Lane coming back with her garden segment after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub. Plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one, and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-Home Garden Consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, so Ken and Lisa Lane uh, here, The Mountain Gardeners, and Lisa takes this entire segment, and I bite my tongue. Or try not to say anything. We all uh, know that doesn't <laughs> Anyway, it's good to get a different perspective on from, from gardening. Mm -hmm. So gardening is all about different angles. There's different ways to perceive. There's no right or wrong. There's just what's personal and feels good for you out in the landscape. If you love hummingbirds, put more hummingbird stuff. If you're only here in the winter because this is your winter home and Alaska is your summer home, put more evergreens because you're here in the in the winter, if you this is your summer home and you winter down in Scottsdale or, or Palm Springs, put in more summer fall blooming things because that's when you're up here. Put so you can make you can personalize your landscapes. And so I thought you were gonna bite your tongue. I'm still setting the stage for it. 
for you. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Now you see what I deal with, folks. You see what's going on. All you it, guys understand, right? It's all my segment, except. <laughs> okay. So, hi, Lisa. Hi, Ken. I'm glad you're here. Me too. And may I wish you a happy anniversary a week early. Thank you. Big 34 is coming up. I went and got your yesterday. <gasps> can't wait. What is it? Share. Do share with the oh. audience. They want to know. Well, they're going to have to wait. Till next week. Yeah. <laughs> or the week after. We'll see. We'll see. If yeah. we don't forget. Now we got 34 years and we're starting to forget. He's choked up about it. So, yes, what we're going to talk about this week is screen trees or creating a secret garden yeah. effect. You know, Good. privacy. Privacy. Yeah, so, living walls. Mm -hmm. so many new homes going up in the area. And people who've been on their property for 10 years, they never had homes around them. All of a sudden, now they have a house going up next to them, and it's a little disconcerting to people. To, to you definitely lost your privacy. You feel like oh, you're yeah. out there on the back porch in your underwear or something. <laughs> you always feel exposed. Uh, uh, yeah, that's I, bad. You that's shouldn't a be nightmare. doing that. That's not. So screens are hugely important. They're becoming more important as yeah. the more homes that we get. Um, some people have moved into a home with already established with homes around them, but they want to create a nice environment because they really love spending time outside. So creating that secret garden means blocking off people's eyeballs on you all the time. Yeah. So there's, depending upon the space that you're trying to fill, um, height, width, size, there's a lot of different things you can use, different textures, different looks. Um, and I always encourage people, don't go with a wall. Don't go with a wall of 20 Fotinia. Okay. You know, try to try to mix it up a little bit. Maybe you do a tree and then some Fotinia and then another variety of tree. Just something to give your, so it's just not little soldiers. Feels more garden-esque kind mm -hmm. of thing instead of a, right. a green wall mm -hmm. like a, like a like a prison block right it feels like a garden where you, like iguanas <laughs> want to jump in off from tree to tree I, maybe that's Florida, well and but. also if if you get which happens if you get a bout of some kind of disease or fungus or insect that takes out um, like the Leland cypress you know yeah. a lot of people put Leland's yeah. in as greens well all the Leland's have uh, the ceridium canker and they're dying out so people who had these big walls of, of Leland's now are scrambling. Well, that final culture. Mm -hmm. If there's any disease that goes through, it's going to take them all out and you're left starting over again. Right. If not going backwards. Right. So, so yeah. good idea to mix things up. I think it's more pleasing to the eye and I think it's just healthier for yeah. the yard as well. Yeah. Uh, so if we're thinking screen, some of the bigger screen trees you can use, of course, are Austrian pine. Yeah, which is a choice. great pine for here, fast growing, does well here. It doesn't get the um, the scale as much. It doesn't get the bores in it as frequently. So it's actually a really good pine to put into our it's, area. It's like a it's like a shorter ponderosa pine, but it holds its foliage right down to the ground. Mm -hmm. But it still has a long needle to it, and, and it's very hardy for here. Oh yeah, Diodor cedar. So that's there a really go. good replacement for those people who had the Leland cypress. That Diodor is just a super replacement for that. Very fast growing, very drought hardy. Probably the fastest growing mm -hmm. of all the evergreens, right? And and, and the biggest. That's probably why it grows so fast. We're talking yeah. sixty foot high and 
it gets big. Twenty-five feet wide. Yeah. It's a monster. You need some space. It's not that for these little lots. <laughs> this is the one you want to have a big, big yard for. My favorite though is you tell people how big it gets, and they go, "Ah, oh, that'll be somebody else's yeah. problem." <laughs> true <laughs> like yeah okay good point uh so very fast growing very drought hardy um they can be a little weird looking when they're young but give them a year or two and they're beautiful spruce so fat albert spruce colorado blue spruce norway spruce a uh, little slower growing six to eight inches a year would you say yeah, but you get a foot if you get the bigger just colorado yeah the, mm -hmm. the fat alberts and the dwarf varieties but uh, hoop backer eyes and they're right. big they grow a little faster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But still a great one. If you're doing a big area, put in a pine or a deodorant and then put a spruce in front yeah, of it. Yeah, good idea. It gives you some nice contrast and color as well. So, because a lot of the spruces have that real blue color to them. So it gives you a nice or contrast. Gold. I was thinking mm -hmm. that uh, oh, the deodorant cedar gold, deodorant right. cedar. That's beautiful. <laughs> I saw a big one the other yeah. day, mature one. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Very nice tree. Arizona cypress. Uh, great one for windbreaks as well. If you're trying to do rake, uh, fast growing, kind of has that bluish gray color. So another one, nice one to mix in with some more green. We use a lot of those or suggest a lot of those out in the valley areas. Mm -hmm. So Chino Valley, Paulden, Dewey, Humboldt, they got big open spaces. They've got wind tunnels. They need to cut the wind and privacy all at once. Mm -hmm. And yet they're hardy enough to once they get up to size, They'll go by themselves. Right. Great plants. Mm -hmm. So then we get into some of the leafier uh, screen trees. And these, are, they're again, mix them in with your evergreen, your okay. spruce and your Austrian pines. Photinia, probably the number one seller, yeah. <laughs> fast growing. It is really, really pretty when it's putting on that new growth. That red, the new growth is always a bright red color. So it, red tipped Photinia. Red tipped Photinia. So it is a, a pretty screen what's shrub. that new variety that just came that we started carrying red, red dynamo, dynamo red dynamo photinia mm -hmm. if you're gonna plant one plant that it's super red thicker easier and it's supposed to be less disease uh, prone to stuff mm -hmm. so red dynamo mm -hmm. a red tip photinia right uh catoniaster so the the red clusterberry catoniaster is a real pretty one we used it out in skull valley when we yeah. lived out in skull valley uh real pretty kind of vase shape to it fan shaped little white flower clusters in the spring with red berries in the fall that are clusters not poisonous yeah, yeah. <laughs> the birds like them uh and very animal resistant very much so a good one if you've got deer uh, bunnies, those kind of critters. How is that different from pyracantha? You know, everyone's that victory pyracantha, the great mm -hmm. pig, has berries, evergreen, right. that kind of stuff. What's the difference? doesn't have thorns. Thorns. I guess that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's a, what's a common name to that? Th thorn? Victory? Yeah. There, anyway. Well, there's victory. There's, okay. uh, there's lots of pyracantha. So... Yeah, Cotoniaster. It also gets a real pretty kind of fall color, winter color, kind of yeah. gets a bronzy look to it. Silverberry, the Eliagnus. Uh, we have that in front of our house. Yeah. Very drought hardy. Oh my gosh. Very, very drought Hardly hardy. Care for it. We mm -hmm. curse at it, kick dirt at it. Still grows. <laughs> it's great. It's a it's super native. plant. Yeah. Uh, the one we have is the variegated yellow green. Really pretty out front. Gives a nice color to the front of our house, which is gray. So it gives it nice color. So if vines are another way to screen, uh, whether you grow them on trellis or you're just letting them um, 
you're telling me to hurry up. I no, can't do it. Making sure you're watching the <laughs> clock. You see the list. You aren't even hardly scratched the surface. It's so, a great list, by the way. It is. So vines that are that are evergreen, honeysuckle, the Hall's honeysuckle, um, real pretty fragrant flowers in the spring and summer. Lovely. Ladybanks rose. So this is a rose that's evergreen, plus it doesn't have thorns. Yeah. But it only blooms one time in the spring, but it is gorgeous also called the tucson Tomb, rose tombstone to, tombstone yeah what i say tucson. Never, never yeah <laughs> tombstone yeah. don't listen to what i say listen to what i do and <laughs> we're out of time so <laughs> okay we'll stop with that great list of privacy screens if you need yeah. help take a picture take us to bring a sample a measurement we can help you design mm -hmm. privacy screens by next spring it'll flush new growth and just be you'll feel isolated in your own backyard. Hinalisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. Be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are maple, verbena, crepe myrtle, and rows of Sharon hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Some things are just better together. July is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Ah, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together and only at Waters Garden Center. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I, I mentioned that it, it's okay to plant now. The moisture, the the warmth, uh, the, the monsoon rains and humidity really make it good. But how do you plant? And so if you've tried to dig a hole anywhere in the mountains of Arizona, you've realized it's really hard digging here. So out towards Granite Mountain, that area, you all have a, some crushed granite with a hard pan about a foot down that's just rock hard it's terrible out the 69 quarter all the way down over to cordis junction caliche layer you've never heard of caliche till you come here and try to garden and that's kind of a it's a calcium layer it's like this chalky gray band you'll see it on the roadsides as you're driving down they've, they've cut the side of the the hill you'll see this gray band that's in in the soil that's caliche when water hits that it's like it's like concrete. Water does not penetrate through that. And so plants will struggle. They can drown. They can have issues. So there we try to fracture that thing up. Realize this. Plants in the mountains of Arizona do not have a taproot. So the roots, that's a myth. They don't. The roots don't go down. There's nothing down there for them except boulders, rocks, caliche. There's just, there's no, there's no 
topsoil. There's no nutrients. There's no worms. There's no moisture down there for them. And so what they do is even the great big you know, ponderosas, large junipers, uh, silverberries, serviceberry, these big natives, they, they have a taproot that goes down about 18 inches. Then it turns, and I call it like the hockey puck. Uh, it's, it's, it's hockey stick, excuse me. It actually goes down, and then it turns, and it runs under, just underneath the surface of the soil for hundreds of feet in, in all kinds of directions. If you know that's how your plants are going to grow, whether it's a new fruit tree, let's see, new apple or pear tree or plums or a new flowering butterfly bush or a rose bush, it doesn't matter. If you, if you know that's how those roots are actually going to start growing, encourage, dig a hole that encourages that. Promote it. They, th these, these plants know they're in this monsoon pattern. It's going to have dry spells. And when it does rain, make sure the roots are right there underneath the surface of the soil so you can pick up as much moisture as it can when it does actually rain. That's also where the nutrients are. That's where all the mycorrhizal colonies and the worms are. They're active right there within that first foot or two of soil. And that's where the roots are of your trees and shrubs. Encourage that. So when you're digging your hole, let's say you've got a great big say 15 gallon maple tree you're going to put in or or multi-stemmed aspen a larger plant larger root ball the hole that, that you're going to dig for that plant is only as deep as the bucket so even a 15 gallon plant it might need a 14 to 18 inch hole that's as far as you don't have to go deep but you're going wide you're going to add you're going to dig that hole three times as wide as the bucket kind of shallow saucer shaped and, and only as deep as the bucket and then many of you, that soil that you take out of that hole, some of you, you're going to have to screen or screet that soil. You're going to have to get anything bigger than a golf ball needs to get out of there. Because as those bigger particles, rocks, chunks of debris, as those heat up in summer, they actually roast or, or heat up the roots and they cause damage. So they're, they're actually, the particles are too big to actually hold water molecules. So you want smaller particles, smaller uh, pieces of soil. That, so some of you may have to actually screen your soil. You're going to take that and that whatever's left of that dirt, we're going to use that to backfill around this root ball. And so you'll, you'll, but you'll need to do something extra. Add some composted mulch. We call it Waters Premium Mulch. So we've got an old sawmill over in the, East, the White Mountains. And this, 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 the saw tailings of this sawmill, we're, we're harvesting that. And so it's been composting there for decades. We'll take that and screen it down to quarter inch minus. Very fine uh, compost. Uh, locally sourced wood chips, basically, that, that looks chocolatey, mocha, kind of, kind of, plants love that. So we're going to take about, oh, one shovel or about a third of mulch to your native soil. So kind of one scoop of mulch to three scoops of native soil, if that helps you. About 75 to 60 percent native soil. We just want to amend that so that we've got some organics in there. That's what's going to bring the worms in. That's going to help the roots kind of get through that clay soil or hold the moisture in around this really crushed granite kind of stuff. It really is a game changer. So you're trying to reintroduce some organics into that planting hole around, that, around the roots. So blend that together. Now you're going to take your plant and pop it out of the bucket. Oh, before that, the soil 
has been dry. I don't know what it is now. I haven't planted in the last week. But soils are starting to rehydrate. What, you know, what I've been doing up until pretty much this week is I'll take a hose and I'll just fill that planting hole halfway up with water. I want to hydrate not just the plant. I'm trying to rehydrate the soil around the plant. So I'll actually purposely put a, have a sloppy planting hole I'm putting that new new root into so that so that it, it hydrates that that plant I'm planting but also the surrounding soil so probably even now even with the rains we've had add some water into that planting hole again you're trying to rehydrate the plant many times what will happen is if the the surrounding soil is really dry you'll put your plant in and the surrounding soil will actually wick away the water even though you're watering that plant right afterwards there's so much soil around it that it almost sponges away or wicks away that moisture that you gave that plant. And within, oh, hours, it's bone dry. So if you rehydrate the soil, it doesn't do that as much. So kind of an insider tip to planting in a dry, arid climate. It really does make a difference. Now, I'll pop that plant or cut off that bucket and I'll look at the roots. A lot of folks advise you to beat up the roots so there's hardly any soil left. Don't. Don't do that. That, that. That's not good. I might massage the very bottom of the roots a little bit. The sides, I really don't do that much. If you're buying a good quality plant, they will not be root bound. Some of the old leftover plants uh, from last year, they couldn't sell them. What will happen is they'll, they'll bring them up for sale again this year and they've, they've, they've outgrown their bucket. And so the roots will start spinning round and round in the bucket. That's called that root bound. So there you try to score it or root prune some of those, those plants. If you're buying a good quality plant, you shouldn't need to do that. You won't see that. Uh, the bottom of the bucket can maybe see a little bit of matting underneath. I'll just massage it a little bit. I'm being very tender, gentle with that root ball. I'll backfill it. I'll put it in, the, in my soupy kind of planting hole. Then I'm taking my mulch and native earth blend of of soil and I'm backfilling around that. Here's an insider tip, and this is a curse that we have because we're near Phoenix. Don't do it the way Phoenix does it. You don't want to have your plant in a divot. We're not trying to rain harvest. Oh, you know, you want, you want to have it below grade so the water can flow into that root ball. Don't do that here in the mountains. We can drown things. We get a lot of rain when we get it. So you kind of want it, that soil to be that top of that root ball should be at soil level, maybe even a little above. In fact, most of my plants I have slight on a very slight mound. I'm trying to ensure no matter how much summer rain I get, I'm not going to drown my plants. So I want to make sure the plants have to breathe oxygen at the root level. If they get filled, if you fill all those air pockets up with water molecules, the plant will root rot. It's what we call a crown rot. It's a ter terrible, slow, painful, stinky death. It literally rots. The roots rot off. But at soil level, or even a little above, you're backfilling that, so that mulch and native soil. And then from there, you put your irrigation, your drip irrigation, or you put your water well around that. Watered in really good. And then that last watering, I'm, I'm going to add some root and grow. There's a compost tea we make here called root and grow. You, you add that to your watering can and you water that plant in. And what it does, it stabilizes the plant. This is like root shock. I mean, it just really goes into shock when you put this new plant in the ground. This helps it to stabilize. And then I'll take a handful 
of all-purpose plant food. It's a, it's a native, it's a 744 natural plant food. I'll sprinkle a good generous dose of that around the roots. The root and grow stabilizes it, gets it to start rooting out. The all-purpose plant food, that 744 food, that gets it to encourage new top growth, more foliage, to really start growing and taking in that new landscape spot in your yard. That's how you plant. So you always need five, three things, mulch, uh, food, and root and grow. And then dig a hole that's the same depth as the bucket, but wide. That's how you plant. We've got a handout here. It's free. Ask for it. It's got pictures. It tells you exactly how much. But we want you to be more successful with your plantings summer, fall, through next winter. We just want you to be more successful here at Waters Garden Center. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub. Plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one, and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Now part of the reason that that a lot of folks will build a shade cover over like their tomatoes, peppers, squash, over the gardens is to keep the sun off. That's, That's first and foremost through June. But the real benefit is when you string up some shade fabric, usually using a very like 50%, 60% shade fabric, you, you, you strap that or tie tape that onto, let's say, PVC type of structure you've built, goes over your tomatoes or over your gardens. The reason you're really doing that is if it hails, that hail will hit the, hit the fabric, bounce off, and it keeps your plants from being as shredded as badly. Again, if you've been hit by frost, by um, hail, uh, m- make sure it's not too late. You can get the plants to recover. I know it's discouraging, but the gardens are actively growing, and they'll actively repair themselves all, right away, within days. So just fertilize everything in the landscape. If you've already fertilized, that hail and that rain kind of got that fertilizer to go down or plant food down into the soil, so the plants will start picking that up. And they'll use that energy to form new leaves right away. And you might even get some more flowers on like desert willow and chitalpas, some of these blooming trees. And so don't be discouraged. Uh, protect things. If you see that, kind of watch after them, but then don't, don't ignore them. But just fertilize them. Kind of talk to them. 
clean things up, and they'll recover. We do have a few really good garden classes. There's three of them coming up uh, in, for the rest of July, and I'm teaching the one this weekend. It's called Avoiding the Pest, the Common Pests at All Costs. So how do you deal with uh, blister beetles? Uh, uh, how do you deal with uh, grubs and grasshoppers and, and spider mites? We're going over examples. Uh, I'm going to call my garden center, my gardens, looking for samples. Uh, we'll go over leaf spot. How do you deal with all this? How do you get the plants to grow past a, a swarm of blister beetles that strip your trees? There's an easy way to do that. Uh, July 17th at 9.30, we've got privacy screens and barriers. We'll have exact samples. How do you use these plants? What kind of spacing do you need to screen off your neighbors? If you got a new hot tub, if your neighbors bought a new Class A RV and they're parked right in your face on the back patio, we'll show you how to screen that off, uh, setting the stage for just a big green wall. Then the last one, July 20, 31st at 9.30, the edible landscape with trees and berries. Uh, it's a good time to be planting uh, edible trees, grapes, uh, blackberries, raspberries, blueberries, how do you do that? What are the best varieties and what are the companion plants? What, some, some of them need pollinators. So we'll go over that and a whole lot more. So that's the class. Take a look at watersgardencenter.com and you'll see a big classes button right there at the bottom. You'll, you can't miss it. And then on Facebook, we, we list that under events. So look up Waters Garden Center and then you'll see events right there. And all of them are listed. We have garden classes that are free every Saturday at 9.30. You're welcome to join us. We just want to share some insider tips to better garden techniques at the higher elevations of the mountains of Arizona. And then throughout the week, if you can't make Saturday, we live stream it on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. And then we love helping folks just one-on-one. -on -one. Come in as a friend, as a neighbor. We'll show you, we'll give you the grand tour, show you how to best put that, that uh, garden project together. Ken and Lisa Lane, the mountain gardeners throughout the week. We camp out here at Waters Garden Center, and we love talking to fans of the show. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in. Look, if your mom, wife, or mother-to-be enjoys dead cut flowers and the peace that comes when dining with all those kids, then by all means, take her to your favorite buffet rather than some piece of plastic. But if she really loves her garden, a gift card from Waters makes perfect sense. In reality, you're giving her 90 minutes of peace and quiet while she shops for her own flowers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love their gardening moms love to shop. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.